0: What is up to all the Still City Insider readers and listeners, welcome to episode number 23 of the Steelers Insider Podcast. I'm here once again with Matt Cecil. Matt, how are you doing today?
1: Great, Jeremy. How are you doing? Uh, I'm
0: doing well. Matt and I are here bringing you a late night edition of the podcast. Jim and I typically on at 5 a.m., but we're coming to you today and we are going to talk defensive free agents for the Steelers guys who they should try to resign Um, we're going to talk about some outside free agents we're going to get into that and this is going to help you prime for the upcoming draft which believe it or not uh, is two months away before we get into that got some Steelers news that we need to cover the combine has started and happening as we speak the wide receivers are just lighting it up with their 40 times a kid out of Baylor ran an unofficial 4-2-1. Uh, Chris Alave, wide receiver out of Ohio State, ran a 4-2-6. They say it's the largest number of receivers uh, in a draft class that have run under 4-4s four in history of the combine. Uh, and Matt and I were talking about this before we got on, and Matt um, has some expertise in this area in terms of training athletes. Um, But this could be due to advancements in training. So Matt, I don't know if you want to speak to that as we get started here.
1: The First thing I thought of was, these guys are getting some sleep. Sleep is so important. And everybody out there should read Matt Walker's book, Why We Sleep. And you know, the Matt Walker podcast and what goes on in the brain while we sleep. And so these guys are, are running later. And I think probably for their circadian rhythms too it's probably better for them. You know, if you're up at midnight, one in the morning, you're doing some type of interview and then you got to get up at six the next morning and they're asking you to run a 40, you're probably not going to do as well. And I think, uh, you know, when they go home and they work at their pro days and they get better times, it might not be a 39 and a half yard track. It might just be (laughs) the fact that they're getting better rest and, and they're better prepared physically to time better. So yeah. you know, I don't want to say I'm, it's surprising. The lobby running a four-two-six is, is surprising. Yeah, but, uh, you know that could be part of it. You know, who knows? It's just my my guess.
0: Yeah, and a guy that I know we've talked about off air, Vailus Jones Jr., a guy that I would mocked to the Steelers in the uh, the first of their seventh round pick. He ran a four-three-one. So guys are just tearing it up. Some other combine news, uh, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of coverage uh, on the site. Um, but Kenny Pickett. And this this is annoying me i'm sorry but his hand size his hand size came at 8.5 inches i get the ball security and all that jazz but if you're gonna factor way that more than somebody's heart or intelligence or football acumen i i just can't i can't that's irritating to me i don't know how you feel about that Matt. but well, Mike uh
1: vic had an 8.5 inch hand too and he could sling it like 70 yards so you know yeah. I mean, can you hold on to the football? You know, uh, I just read today he had 38 fumbles. It's a little concerning over the course, but he had five seasons to play. Right. You know, so I, you know, I mean, he had the thumb thing where he can't stretch. His I don't have big hands. And I I, I was like, what's mine? <laughs> I read, measured it at nine. And I was like, you know, they got to be smaller than Joe Burrow's. I think this width thing is like overrated. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, what do they do on the field? How accurate are they? You know, I I watch Kenny Pickett run to his left and you know, sling it, moving to his left, yeah. throwing a dart 20 25 yards down the field in the end zone. The guy can throw the football. Can he hold yeah. on to it? You know, and I've compared him a little bit to Derek Carr before, right? Derek Carr led the league in fumbles over the last five six years. That's my only concern. I don't know. I mean, he's really my top guy at the quarterback position, but we'll get to the draft picks at some point. But, like, I love his, his demeanor.
0: Yeah. I hope it pushes him down. I hope that right. pushes him down to 20, man. I'll take him small right. hands and all. <laughs> we'll, right. We'll take him yeah. in Pittsburgh with open arms.
1: For sure, right.
0: So some of the other uh, news nuggets that came out earlier this week, Kevin Colbert spoke to the media once again, and some – Some really positive news that came out of that, uh, he referenced to it and said that it really was that knee injury that hindered him this past season and that he's optimistic that he's going to play. That's a game changer. If they don't have to worry about filling a hole on the defensive line in the draft, um, you could build some depth through free agency, even though a lot of the guys that got reps last year, you can count on them for for depth. But it's really promising news around to it.
1: Oh, that'd be huge if he can come back yeah you know you concern yourself with he hasn't played in a year but the upside of that is well he hasn't played in a year so maybe yeah. he's you know he his whole body gets fresh and he's able to hold up you know for a full season whether or not hopefully he comes back still a little up in the air I would like for him to say it and uh I'm I would think his free agency approaches they probably would get an answer by then yeah Uh, they're going to need to but so far you know it sounds promising and that's a great thing
0: yeah and then Colbert also talked about the the quarterback class in this year's draft and you know contrary to what a lot of people are talking about in the media saying that this isn't a particularly strong class he says that there are starters at the quarterback position um and you know he said that there might not be as many as in previous years Uh, but that there's quality there. So I think they're paying very close attention to this crop of QBs, especially that top five with Willis, Pickett, Corral, Ritter, and Howell. Um, I think they've interviewed all five of those guys at at, at the Combine. Um, It's my thinking they have their eye on one one or two of these players, Um, but I thought that that was – I guess confirming for me because I've been saying all along I think they're going to they're going to pull the trigger on a quarterback at pick 20. Um but to hear Colbert say that there's quality QBs here. Maybe he's throwing a smoke smoke screen, who knows. Um Sorry any any thoughts on those comments?
1: Yeah, uh I like picking it if he falls. Mm-hmm. Um with the rest of the guys I'm a little concerned. So I I I was going through the last 10 drafts of quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Not to say, I think there could be potentially all those four or five guys at the top. Yeah. It could potentially, he's right, they could potentially be starting quarterbacks. You know, but when you think of like Matt Corral, he's 6'2", 200, so he's undersized. Ritter's undersized too, and, you know, 6'3", 207, but he could put on 10 pounds. You know, and you have Willis. Well, he's got all the physical potential of, and I like I like what he had to say this week in terms of like, I don't know if I'm gonna fit with the Steelers. That's yeah. that's honest. I like that. Yeah. You know, and he's not trying to to uh, blow smoke out there. He's just he's being honest, and he seems like a good kid from everything that I hear. Got the athletic ability, got the big arm, but he's six foot tall. Eventually, he's gonna stand have to stand in that pocket on yeah. uh, third down. Can he see over the line? Can he can he throw it at, on time? He's taking a lot of sacks. I think when you go down the line and you look at each one of these guys under a microscope, I'm wondering if they're truly first-round picks because mm-hmm. if you look over the last 10 years, there's been 30 first-round picks and there's been uh, 10 second-round picks. Now, if it was even maybe 15 and 15, but I think a lot of guys get pushed in the first round. Mm -hmm. And So some of those names that, you know, they were probably talked about like these guys when you go down to Jake Locker and Gabbert and Christian Ponder, Tannehill, RG3, Brandon Whedon, Blake Bortles, Manziel, Winston, Mariota, Goff, Wentz, Paxton Lynch, Trubisky, Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Jordan Love. Like I listed them, brother. Yeah, there's, some, like, there's
0: some bad memories. I'm, I remember some of those dudes. Jake right, Walker. so
1: like we, I'm sure everybody was high on them. I was high on Josh and I thought, hey, pocket, he gets it out on time. He's yeah. accurate, you know. And it's, it's such a difficult position to evaluate.
0: Agreed. So, uh,
1: you know. Do they build from the trenches? I'm I'm more along the long line of, of of building for the trenches, and that's my plan as of right now. You know, mm. things change, and uh, as it evolves toward the draft, as we get a full uh, perspective after the combine, a couple more names. I mean, is it was Newton uh, worth the number one pick? He made a Super Bowl, but he didn't win
0: one. Right.
1: You know, Jake Luck got hurt. Jake Luck, uh, Andrew Luck got hurt. Kyler Murray. I'm still up in the air on Kyler Murray because I think he's more of like a gimmick quarterback at 5'10". Yeah. And I don't know if he could play conventional offense. Right. But six guys, you have Deshaun Watson, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jacobs, uh, or Lamar Jackson, uh, Burrow, and Herbert are your six out of 10 or 11 years so far. And yeah. That's about a 30%. You know, you're hitting 300. Yeah. So – I think a lot of those guys too that were successful had pieces around them, you know. Right. And
0: yeah. how much of that, and 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 Matt, I've talked about that too, how difficult of a position it is to evaluate and how yeah. guys get selected early that I think Trubisky was second overall and he, he didn't do any go on to do anything, though he's being heavily connected to the Steelers and free agency this offseason. But like how it. much of it? <laughs> <laughs> much, yeah, I don't know how much uh, support I am of that, but I know. How much How much of drafting a quarterback is just, is it fit? Is it the support within the organization? Is it the coaching? Is it the, you know, everything? Like, if you look at the Senior Bowl, when the entire Steelers brass was there looking at these guys, like how much can you put, put stock into you bring a guy in and let's say that it's, you know, not a strong um, franchise. And if the support's, aren't there, you know, could a guy like, let's say Mitchell Trubisky, just for example, I'm not, I'm just right. using him as a hypothetical. Right. If he came into the sealers organization and had all of that support, um, you know, just the history, the, the alumni connections there, the coaching, the training, is it a different result? You know, because some I of think the, it could be. Yeah.
1: So I think a lot of it is where you go, the coaches that you have, the system that's in place, I'm a huge fan of the Shanahan system. I've been writing about it for a while, Mm -hmm. mostly because, all right, so this is what I've done too lately with a little bit of extra free time at night. I went back in YouTube and I looked at 94 Steeler games, 2004, 2005, Ben's first couple of years. And for several years I wrote about too, that I think Ben could have been the best play action quarterback, you know, the game's ever seen. I look at those games in 2004 and five, and I'm like, eh, I was a little wrong in that because he was good at it, but he wasn't that great at it. They they ran play action, but not as much as I thought. Maybe because I watched that Indianapolis Colts game in 2005 in the playoffs, and they ran it a lot early, and that got them out to a 14-0 lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you run it, and then I think if you have that – you look at Garoppolo and you look at Tannehill. You look at what Tannehill did where he didn't do in Miami, and then you put him in the right situation in Tennessee. When he's running that drift route of you, when you've got the inside and outside zone, and you're running that basically a, a crossing route, that's the it's a very easy completion to make. Mm-hmm. Receivers catching it on the run. Now you're getting big chunk plays. And if you're getting the big chunk plays off play action, you can win. I just think quarterback. I'm not saying it's overrated. Don't get me wrong. It's important. But I think people don't really, we underestimate that an average quarterback can win Super Bowls. And then once they become an average quarterback winning Super Bowls, we don't label them an average quarterback anymore. People thought Russell Wilson was a game manager, just like they thought Ben was. And then they won Super Bowls and they wanted to put more on their plate. I don't think they had to put more on their plate. I just think that, a lot of it is system, yeah. and if, I, I would love to see the Steelers, a modern-day 2004 or 5 Steelers, running the ball, embracing getting to third and three and third and four. When they had Neil O'Donnell in 95, you couldn't stop them on third down, and he was a, definitely a game manager, very average quarterback. If you put him in third and four or third and five, that ball was coming out quick to Andre Hastings or Thigpen Pen or Mills. It was out, and you couldn't stop it. If you have the right system in place, uh, I think guys can be productive. Yeah. And and so I would love to see them get back to running the ball, controlling the line of scrimmage. I think it's a little bit soft of a mentality to say, hey, we have to have a franchise quarterback in order to win a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, we we can run the ball. We're going to convert third down. We're going to protect the ball. We're going to play great defense, and we're going to beat you. Yeah. You know and the, I think there's potential for guy whether it's Pickett, because I don't think any of these guys are Josh Allen but whether it's Pickett or or maybe somebody else like Ritter uh there's potential there or a guy off like the Trubisky that's why I like him at 6'2 220 with the mobility and the run of bootlegs bootleg left bootleg right run that drift route across the middle and run play action and then have a great system and third down in place and and control the clock and hit big plays.
0: Yeah. I mean that's a that's a good good perspective to have too. I mean I, I definitely feel like I feel like the Steelers are going to have to build their offense around that concept yeah, regardless yeah. this year. cuz you're not going to have a guy who's going to come in there and right. put the team on his shoulders and throw it 40 times a game. That's not going to happen. Right. We're going to have to it's the offense is Najee Harris and, and then just, you've got to draft it, right? Yeah, you got to convert those third, like you said, third and threes, third and fours. That's got to be the style of football, at least for this year. So, yeah. But um, one more thing here from uh, Colbert, and then we'll jump into the Steelers defensive free agents. He did talk about Zach Banner and Kevin Dodson, which I thought was pretty interesting. He said that they need more from both of those guys this year. Acknowledged the fact that they had injuries, but said at the same time, they need more. So I feel like that was the shot across the bow to, to both Dotson and Banner saying, Hey, you got to step it up this season. Um, your take on, on that comment from Colbert.
1: Well, I like Dotson after the first year, I think, you know, it was even though he was well-built, maybe he wasn't in condition. There was some comments going into training camp about him not being ready. So good. I'm glad he, he put that out there and put the challenge out there. Banner, maybe it's, he should breathe a sigh of relief. I don't know because, uh, I thought maybe he'd be cut potential, but maybe by saying that they're going to keep him around.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Banner talked a good game in terms of leadership and being passionate and being, but he got awfully quiet. You know, he was dealing with that knee all year, and you didn't hear from him. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, maybe you know that maybe they're not going to bring him back this year. If they do, cool. I guess they're not going to maybe then address the right tackle position in Mm -hmm. in free agency. Yeah. Kind of think they should uh, with something a little bit more reliable, but they know if he's in shape Yeah. and he's in shape right now and he's working and they see the progress, then I'm, I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Big year, big off season for both of those guys. And, you know, before we get into the defensive free agents, I know we talked about the offensive free agents last year and potentially some out, um, outside free agents the team could look at. And I know we wanted to talk about Mason Cole. Um, yeah. It's center. And uh, so I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of riff riff on that potential side, Yeah, sign. because
1: we mentioned, yeah, we mentioned yeah. in the last podcast that we are going to mention something about or talk about center and. You know, I had said in a piece that I wrote something about Matt Paradis, and you brought up Mason Cole, and I thought that was a way better fit. Yeah. So I wanted to at least kind of talk about that because he can play guard or center, and if and if Green comes around at center, and maybe you hold off on signing a big name free agent at guard, which I think they should do. And uh, you know, I can get into that a little bit later, Uh but. He could play guard then. He can play both, all three inside positions. So at 6'5", 296, and, you know, he played with Minnesota last year playing the inside-outside go- zone, which I think, you know, seeing Matt Canada's offense before a lot, ran a lot of inside zone. I'd like to see inside and outside zone with the power gap scheme and being versatile where they line up in different gaps along the line of scrimmage defensively, and you counter with it in your mm-hmm. running game. And so that's what I hope to see, yeah. Um, and I think he would fit that. I know at Michigan he played left tackle even, but he was by far and away their best offensive lineman uh, his senior year, and I thought he was going to be much more successful professionally than he has been so far. So maybe a fit for him.
0: Yeah, and he's one of those sneaky names that, this it's it's a typical sure. Steeler signing. You you know, you don't know too much about them, yeah. um, but they were steady in their previous role. They they come on to the team, I think of like a Jeff Hardings um back in the day. And right. he, you know, played in Detroit there. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, he's definitely a name to keep an eye on, you know, he's as a great uh, call
1: on your part. Yeah, I love yeah, that free
0: agency wears on here. But let's talk about it. Steelers defensive free agents. I think there's four guys that really Um, we're going to spend the bulk of our time talking about Terrell Edmonds at the safety position, um, strong safety alongside Mika Fitzpatrick. It's Kella Witherspoon at at the uh, cornerback position, Joe Hayden. Um, There's got to be a decision made there. And then Montrevious Adams. So, you know, if we want to start from the top, work our way down. um, Yeah. We'll kind of pitch and catch here.
1: Okay. Yeah, let's start with Edmonds because I think he's the – number one guy on the list to bring back you know maybe juju is number two but Edmonds. i mean you know you look around the league and I, I wrote about that that guys like keanu neal and marcus may and jordan whitehead they couldn't stay healthy yeah so you want somebody reliable uh if you bring Edmonds back and it's there's a potential there for fitzpatrick to put pl- him to play together for five six seven years that's invaluable yeah uh, my concern is he played really well at the end of the year. He, he contained Mark Andrews pretty well when he mm-hmm. was asked to cover him one on one a little bit in that last game, they played against Baltimore. And, uh, you know, is that going to be on tape for other teams to offer him a little bit more money than yeah? Than the Steelers are willing to offer? I'm hoping a three-year deal somewhere in the neighborhood of, I mean, five would be lucky, but you get six or 7 million. They, I hope that they're willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Three years, 21 million, whatever the signing bonus may be. But you know, I'd love to see him back. Yeah. You want to keep your draft picks like we mentioned before.
0: Yeah. I just think the the thing, the thing for me there, um, which I, I and I think the Steelers have to be have this in the back of their mind is that if you let him walk, you're you're not gonna draft a guy and bring him in and start. I think that's a terrible move. And I don't think that they would do that, especially at the safety position. So that means yeah. you're gonna go. and sign a free agent that you feel is of equal or greater value, which I don't think the safety market is great. Why wouldn't you stick with this guy you've invested all these resources in so far who has chemistry with Fitzpatrick and the rest of that defense. I think, like you said, this is probably the most, the most important signing for this team this this off season.
1: hundred percent. You know, you know, I, last year, my number one guy was, uh, Camp Sutton. And I think this year it's Edmonds, and I'm hoping we yeah. get the same success where the Steelers organization it feels the same way, and right? To bring him back pretty early.
0: It it almost reminds me of um, how how it took a long time for Bud Dupree to develop, and now yes. Edmonds hasn't been that explosive as Dupree was in those big years. Or right. even going back to Jason Worlds, it took him a long time, right? but you can't why draft these guys and develop them if you're just going to let them get away. So I'm, Absolutely. I'm right there with you. You got to get and He him works back. hard. He does. He does. Yeah. And he's football pedigree. His brothers, uh, I think his brother is still with the Steelers practice squad guy, right? Yeah. The run, yeah. yeah. So maybe they offer him, maybe that's part of an incentive. Hey, I'll sign him, but you got to keep my brother around. <laughs> <So> <laughs>
1: that
0: seems to be like a whole family tradition there with Pittsburgh, with the Watt brothers and, Well, yeah, and
1: you can keep so many guys in the practice squad now. Why not keep him? He's a big special teams player.
0: Why not? And then let's go to uh, cornerback. Let's talk Akella Witherspoon and then Joe Hayden.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I think um, we're in agreement. We'd like to see Witherspoon come back, maybe on a two year deal. Yeah. Um, Somewhere between eight and 10 million. But Witherspoon, I mean, he, he played well at the end of the year. And the numbers I think his passer rating against was something like 22 point something. I mean, he, you know, uh, he doesn't price himself out of the market. We'll see what happens in, in terms of other teams. And it's so difficult to guess, all right, if you don't bring him back or Joe Hayden back, who would they sign? And, you know, I just think he's the best guy. He's been a year in the system. Yeah. Uh, You know, they traded for him for a reason. Let's not just give away fifth round picks every year and not get anything back and return the following year. I'd like to see him come back. And I think with Joe Hayden, you know, it reminds me of not this drastic, but I remember in 2002 thinking Dwayne Washington's done. And, you know, they brought him back for another year and it was not a good year. Yeah. And I don't think he's done. Joe Hayden's a little bit different pedigree, uh, but – there's a little slippage there. Yeah, Uh, you're at this point. You can. You, uh, we're gonna ask him to bring him back to be the third guy, maybe the fourth guy. Yeah, I don't think that really fits. Maybe he wants to find a better, you know, Super Bowl opportunity. Uh, I think Witherspoon's the guy.
0: Yep, uh, I'd agree. So th- this is crazy, and this is how sick I am. I had a nightmare last night. And this is a true story. That Justin Lane. <laughs> was starting office came That <laughs> I swear to god that was my dream. He <laughs> <Me laughs> was just getting awesome. like oh my god what did they do?
1: That is fantastic. Yeah. I have strange Steeler dreams. Yeah. I'll have to share them the next time I have one. Yeah.
0: But and it just came to me. I'm like oh, I, I remember that last night. But oh, um That is frightening. It is very frightening. A nightmare. Yeah. yeah. But they have to I feel like they do have to make a strong push to re- resign Witherspoon. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I think he's going to be looking elsewhere. I think he's going to command a bigger dollar than what we can offer, and they're going to have to find some type of answer. It can't be through the draft. They can't draft corners. Yeah, you could say that maybe they've learned, but their track record is not not good. So they've got to go through free agency. Again, if you have a guy on the roster who stepped up last year, um, give him a full year in the system, OTAs, mini camps, training camp. It just makes sense to sign Witherspoon. And then in terms of Hayden, if you can keep him around one year deal, something cheap just as a veteran presence. I love him. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would try to do that, but you can't, you know, he's got to take a discount, mm-hmm. which whether he's willing to do that. But Witherspoon, I wouldn't be surprised he signs like Baltimore or some, you know something well,
1: crazy, the only saving yeah. grace there is you know the other teams had opportunities to sign him and he signed what a one-year deal with uh seattle and then seattle didn't want him and, yeah you know for whatever reason there's less value than what we see after we saw him with three or four games with the steelers i think uh maybe hopefully uh, just playing devil's advocate to what you're saying because i'm hoping he doesn't leave that maybe just being in this system and having some success and you know, the offers are fairly similar. The Steelers got money under under the salary cap to not that they're gonna overpay him, that's not what they do, but uh you know, I don't I don't know if anybody overpays him with other guys like Dante Jackson out there and JC Jackson and other cornerbacks that are potential free agents. You know, maybe we do something down the road about guys that get released before. Because if James Bradbury's out there, it's somebody bringing into the equation to see how much uh, you have to pay him. It's just going to be interesting. I think there's better players, hopefully, that other teams value that, and we can keep uh, Witherspoon.
0: Yeah. I wonder, and I was sitting here thinking as we're talking, how much the promotion of uh, Terrell Austin and then the hiring of uh, Flores will have and maybe retaining some of these guys because you're talking two great defensive minds, um, Austin, you know, uh, coach, wasn't he a uh, cornerbacks coach, secondary coach? Austin. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that has a hand in, in keeping him around. I'm hoping maybe I'm grasping for straws here, but sure.
1: Well, he, he had a lot of success here and with Austin. So maybe he, he realizes it's a good fit for him.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're so, right about that. Yeah. And then the, the last guy, um, Montrevious Adams guy, yeah. they signed off new Orleans saints practice squad brought in when they were really hurting on that defensive line and stepped in and played well flashed a little bit. He's not the, the big space eater. He's not your Um, he's not big snack by any yeah. chance, but he's got a great burst off the Does brings you something a little different. Can get in the backfield, be disruptive. Yeah. He, they got to resign him too.
1: Yeah. I think you bring him back. I mean, minimum deal. Yeah. I mean, uh, we got. They got to stop the run. So I, I don't know if, how much he helps you there, but I do like his burst. Like you said, it's visible, and he hustles down the field. Yeah, he's a good athlete for a man his size. So yeah, absolutely bring him back. And I thought even bringing tackle Charlton back and on yeah. one year minimum deals possibly your fourth guy would be wise too. Look, when I, he came out of the draft, I was shocked. I'm. A, I watch a lot of Michigan games. That he was a first round pick. To me, he looked like a third, fourth round, and I think that's what he is. Yeah. He doesn't have the burst, but he's got some size to be able to either collapse the pocket or set the edge in the run game. Yeah. And as a fourth guy coming in, you learn the system. You don't have the expectation of him being a first-round pick. Maybe he he develops a role there. Yeah. <laughs> so him and, and Killebrew for uh special teams. Those are yeah. the guys that I think right. bring back defensively if you can. Minimum. Salaries there.
0: Yeah. And, and Charlton has nice length. I mean, there were a few plays yeah. last year where he batted down the footballs. Right. And, and uh, listeners, I swear Matt and I didn't conspire prior to coming on here saying, all right, we're going to agree on everything. So <laughs> we just happen to have uh, similar mindsets here to, to these yeah. free agents. So yeah. absolutely. Uh, but, uh, in terms of outside free agents, Matt, uh, on the defensive side of the football, I haven't done a ton uh, of homework there. Okay. I've really been focusing on the offensive side of the football, Yeah. but do you want to speak to any guys you see out there as being uh good fits for this team? Um, I know that, well, uh, with,
1: uh, let's start with the defensive line because if Tua comes back, I, I do think they should get young and draft there, uh, and have the older players mentor somebody, mm-hmm. uh, uh, let's say they don't let's say maybe they sign a guy like foley fadakasi the nose tackle type six 318 pounds from the new york jets okay sebastian joseph day these are nose tackle types that are also six four that can possibly play you know and and dime or nickel and sub package and uh i mean that's a possibility i highly doubt that so i don't want to spend too much time on that yeah. I thought about an outside linebacker that would be more willing, because I don't think they're going to draft one in the first three rounds. Yes, somebody yes. that's more willing than Melvin Ingram. And uh, Roy Countryman wrote about that. I thought that this is a good uh, touch on his part. Is Whitney Merciless would be mm-hmm. somebody that I think would be more accepting of being a third outside linebacker. And if you had, you know, Charlton and, and uh, Dan, what's what's his last – uh,
0: oh Derek Tuska
1: Tuska Tuska yeah him he came and on a little bit there for
0: at the uh, end they, of the
1: year yeah 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 no they he I mean they they did some nice things him and Charlton for where they came from and late in the year so uh I'm okay there as far as inside linebacker I think this is where things get a little interesting you know you bring in uh Flores and you know, does he go after Dante Hightower? Might be two years past where he'd be more of a option, but you never know for a year or two. Um, some guys that I mentioned, I mentioned Vander Ash in my piece. I don't know if he's physical enough. Uh, AJ Johnson coming off of a, a pec tear, but really physical 6'2, 255. Mm-hmm. What's the deal for him going to be? He's 30 years old, I think when I'm looking at inside linebacker, here's two, two uh, spots that I'm looking at for maybe value is Rashad Evans, who they were going to draft or Jerry Dulek had once tweeted that they're going to, he's the the pick at 28 if he falls there. And uh, so he fell out of favor with the Titans, but what is that position? You know, Jeremy, because it's not really a hundred, you don't play a hundred percent of the time. They ideally want Devin Bush to play there. So yes. what percentage of, of snaps? And then how do you pay somebody? You know, Vander s do you pay him seven or eight million a year if he's only gonna play two-thirds of the snaps? Right. Right. You know, or, or maybe Evans is the better fit there where he's only getting paid anywhere from three or four million dollars a season for a couple of years. Um so I'd be good just with about any of those guys and then. J. Ron Curse is somebody I mentioned at 6'4, 222, had a really good season. If they don't bring back Edmonds, hopefully they do. But somebody that maybe that they would fill in at their price tag from between five or six or five and seven millions million dollars a year at, at strong safety. And then hopefully that's not the case. But then the name I wanted to bring up too for dime linebacker, they really missed Mike Hilton last year. Yeah, I agree. Because he even though he looks like a corner, a slot corner, he's really a modern day version of a linebacker against three wide receiver sets. And he does a lot of blitzing and he's critical in the run game and pressuring the quarterback. Now they had interest in Jabril Peppers back in 2017 and he's coming off of ACL. Now you can sign him possibly to a one year, prove it deal, let's say a couple million, maybe, I don't know. Maybe a little bit less. I don't think it's going to be a vet minimum. But he fits what they want to do out of that position. Mm -hmm. So being physical, being more of a linebacker, you worry about his coverage after a knee injury. But blitzing, uh, I think you bring in somebody like him and Rashad Evans and pair them and bring back the guys that you have. Draft young at, at defensive tack tackle or, or nose tackle or Deanna, we're off and running Yeah. That's kind of yeah. what I'm looking at.
0: Yeah. I, you make some interesting points about the middle linebacker position. And you know, they're you're not playing 100 percent of the snaps. So, you know, what what type of value do you put on signing a the guy there? Right. Um, you know, and then I wonder too, what do they have in Buddy Johnson? Because Bush is Bush by all, all accounts. I think Colbert spoke to this a few weeks ago. They're giving him that opportunity to show that that it was the knee, but he's got mm-hmm. to play better. And he's more of that movement linebacker, the yep. sideline, the sideline. They need that buck guy who's going to come in. Right. So with Vander Esch, I think he's more bush than he is. Um, yeah, even
1: though he's 255, he's yeah, still a little bit more bush.
0: A little bit more finesse. Yep. Yeah, Evans is probably a bit more physical, but yep. you have Buddy Johnson. You know, a fourth round.
1: from what I've what they've indicated has been backing up Bush. So I think he's he's that run and chase. He's not really a stack and shed dude. Mm-hmm. So you let him develop, and then maybe if Bush doesn't work out in year three, he's been in the system two years, he can mm-hmm. step in and hopefully maybe you have improvement or you don't have much a drop-off. But I think you know, we've said this before, you gotta let your in-house guys develop. Yeah. Uh you got to give Bush an opportunity to come back from that knee injury. He flashed as a rookie. Uh, and then you gotta see what, what Johnson can give you. And then uh, you know, you just you have to be a little bit patient with your guys, kind of like Green at center. And I'm not gonna give up on him like we talked about, but bring somebody in to compete and case it's not working out you got a solid guy that can play there right but you don't want to break the bank for that position and find out well now green is made a huge step in year two so i think same thing with inside linebacker so just yeah. bringing guys in for certain roles maybe like evans and, and peppers where you don't pigeonhole yourself in the draft because i think round three is the ideal position to draft those specialists yeah whether it's a slot guy like like marcus jones if he's there can mm-hmm. play that that and then you you only paid peppers you only got brought him in for a year and maybe he is the man and maybe maybe jones can play somewhere else but you yeah. you don't handcuff yourself in the draft and same thing at linebacker i don't think muma's going to fall around three but you know you you sign Evans, and if somebody's really good there round three, that's inside linebacker, he's best player on your board, you're able to take them. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at for those rounds.
0: Yeah, a lot of times though, too, like I, I know you said that uh Muma won't fall to them, but and you know it and I know it that their players are like, there's no way they're falling. Then you get to you know, rounds two and three of the draft, and you're like, How's this guy still here? I know still on the board. So it's so hard to tell, you know, before yeah. it's all said and done, those five quarterbacks we talked about, they may sneak into the, you know, picks one through 25 and then it's a completely different draft board. But
1: I think one of those guys is going to be there around two. I just think one of them will be there. Yeah. I think they're all really tight. I mean, Sam, Howell. I didn't mention him, but I, he struggles with getting the ball. Out. I watched some games in the pocket presence and maybe taking sacks yep. that he shouldn't, you know, uh, they're, probably, I saw they're all projects in their own way.
0: Yep. For, for how I, whenever I, uh, watched watch the senior bowl, that's one of the things that stood out to me is that he, uh, his pocket awareness just and, yep. and tapping and just, that's
1: he got settled
0: as the game went on, but that scares yeah. me.
1: That yeah, scares me a lot. Yeah. And I want accuracy, pocket awareness, accuracy. You made a great point with Ritter that can be developed, um, because we saw it with Josh Allen, but like, And all this stuff can be developed. But really, I mean, that pocket presence of being aware of where to slide and buy extra time and step up. Some guys just want run right to the right and they run into trouble. And those are the red flags. I don't want the guys that don't have pocket awareness. That's
0: Mason Rudolph, man. Yeah, (laughs) Rudolph a
1: little bit. Yeah, with him, it's more like uh, the clock going off in his head. Yeah. He just holds that ball way too long. It's like, dude, you're going to turn it over, man. You got to get rid of it.
0: <laughs> his hands are bigger than eight and a half inches.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, Matt, uh, great, great analysis, great insight. Thank you so much. This was uh, great talking Steelers football with you. Uh, exciting time of the year. Going to be a lot to talk about with the combine. Free agency kicks off here in a few weeks. Um you don't have a uh, social media handle, you call it the depression box or whatever, so I can't give you- a
1: depression device, The depression device. Dude. Depression the body, device. Yeah.
0: So you can't follow Matt on- Not yet. But check, check out his work on the Still City Insider. Um, it, it's great. You can check out my work at thestillstudy.com. Give me a follow at Still Study. Um, I think Jim is gonna be back next week. We may have a special guest on the show, but uh, Matt and I will be hopefully connecting and doing more of these moving forward. Give us a like uh, on um, YouTube, subscribe, share, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, But until then, have a great week. Matt, have a great week too, man. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you, Jeremy. You as well, buddy. Take care. All
0: right, take it easy.